Welcome to Catch the Fire London's podcast. We pray that you will be radically transformed as you listen to this message. We've got Alistair Foreman. Yay! Come on, Ali. Um, just avoid all the trip hazards. We just, you know, like to make it interesting. So, as you all know, Alistair is currently on paternity leave. But really good, exciting news is that doesn't mean that we get to not listen to Alistair anymore. Because actually, all the... Uh-oh. <laughs> Just to add to the hazard of this situation, a wheel fell off. Um, <laughs> enjoy, Alistair. I know you like hazardous environments. Um, but we're really blessed, because my, my assumption is, you know, is that he's just spent the last two weeks on his face worshipping because he's got nothing else to do while on paternity leave. And so he's just full of the glory of God, and he's going to just breathe on this microphone, and you're going to fall out under the spirit. No, um, Alistair is walking in an awesome season of his life at the moment with just obedience to the Lord. And when you walk in obedience, God flows. And so I'm really excited about what he's going to release this morning, because he's walking in a profound level of obedience that blows my mind, and it's awesome. So why don't you stretch out a hand to him? Father, I thank you. I thank you for Alistair. I thank you for who he is to you and who you make him as a result. Would you pour out your anointing on him right now and would you make us good, fertile soil to receive what he has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, brother. Ah, oh, hey, everyone. How you doing? It's good to see everyone. Um, I don't know what Dan said I can't, I can't remember verbatim what it was, but who's missed listening to Alistair? Don't ask that question because I don't want people to sort of have to, have to, I don't know, like manage their facial reaction to that one. Like, not really. Um, <laughs> Alistair who? Um, oh, I'm, I'm joking. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's. Do you know what? It's a funny old season. This this um, paternity leave thing. Um, uh, I the first Sunday after uh, I I sort of um, the first Sunday I I wasn't on staff at church anymore. I came to uh, to this church. I came at ten thirty, which is something I haven't done for a decade. I turned up at church the time that it starts which not everybody does. I'm not going to condemn anyone. But I turned up at that time, and the whole room was sideways. And then the next week, I turned up, and all the kids were here. And I'm like, I feel like I'm turning up to someone else's church. Nothing is familiar. But it's good, isn't it? It's good. There's life in the room. And turning up to dwell and seeing, um, seeing just the room packed out because people want to worship, Yes, some people wanted a word from Isabel. I know. We all want a word from Isabel. But people wanted a word from Jesus more. And people wanted to worship Jesus. So there is something that's happening in this, in this church, in this family. And Dan's wandered off somewhere. So I, I'll, I'll honor him while he's out the room. The reason we're getting this coffee shop is because Dan, like a dog with a bone, didn't let it go. Because we put an offer in, we waited for several months, and they said, mm, maybe, oh, we're not sure. Back and forth, back and forth. Actually, we're probably not going to do it. We'll take it off the, you know, the market and so on. And Dan personally kept pursuing them until they said, actually, do you know what? We're going to put it back on the market, and we'd like you to have it. 
So just when you're having your, your uh, coffee or your tea or whatever, you know, uh, just give them a pat on the back. And I will just say, Dan said, there's going to be healing for people who are drinking coffee. Tea drinkers, you're going to get healing too. All right? Chai latte drinkers, you're part of the party as well. Hot chocolate drinkers and so on. So anyway, um, it's an exciting season. It's a really exciting season. And um, for me, um, it's been strange not being part of the behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, not being part of set-up and set-down. But it's a joy just to turn up to this church and just receive um, and to just be part of the family. And so um, we're doing really well. Baby and Abby aren't here today because um, Daddy wasn't all that sensible and took Baby on a long walk around a lake that was much bigger than he thought it was. And uh, the result of going for a long walk in the middle of the day was that Baby has been congested and dribbling out of his nose and not doing 100% well. So I have repented. I've forgiven myself. Um, I have had many late nights while baby has been up to consider my actions. Um, and um, now Abby has a sore throat, and so I've, I've got even more, more chance to dwell on my, my choices and my actions. Um, it's so bizarre, parenthood. It's just weird being a parent. Last night, he slept all the night through. I still got up about 15 times to check that he was still breathing because he was so he's so clogged up and he's sort of lie in bed and then be like <laughs> and do this and I'm like quick out of bed run check are you okay and he's fine obviously and so he had a great night of sleep but I was just paranoid and worrying and I don't know parents does it does it go away at any point or is that just still no all right fine okay um Steve awesome worship loved it Always, always just fantastic. I have been listening to, here's a convicting thing in church, I'm just going to be honest about this. I've worshipped more on my own in my house since going on paternity leave than I did when I had the title of pastor. And that's convicting to me because I was literally paid to make time in my diary to worship God as a pastor. And somehow I wasn't finding that time. Yeah, every morning, baby and I, we sit in front of the TV and we, we watch some worship, some, you know, Bethel or Vineyard or something. And I've been watching some, some, uh, some old Toronto meetings for a few years ago when Steve was leading worship on a couple of them, the, uh, the Revival 25 ones. And um, just the, the presence of God that can fall in your living room. I know we're all done with watching stuff on TV, you know, but the anointing can be recorded and you can set, step into it. That's why we love live worship albums. If you notice, the last few years, there's less studio worship albums and virtually they're all live. It's because there's something about the anointing in, a, in, in, in those moments that can be recorded and, and step back into. And um, yeah, I just honor you, Steve. Like I know we have banter and people wonder like, does Alistair and Steve actually like each other? Because all they do is like make jokes about each other. But Steve, I've said this many times, Steve leads worship the same in a room with a couple of hundred people as he does somewhere like Toronto where there's 5,000 people as he does in a small group meeting when there's like five people. It's, he's got one gear. <laughs> it's worship Jesus with all his heart. And I just, um, I honor you, man. I love you. And where we got to in the worship journey there about loving Jesus, we're all, this is for you, Jesus. You're my one thing. That, that, is, 
That's, that's where we should get at the end of every worship set, yeah? And I wanted to continue our series. Um, anyone been paying attention over the last week? We're doing, the last few weeks, we're doing a series on... There we go, Timmy. Of course Timmy would be the first. The Samson. <laughs> He's the walking Bible. Um, we've been doing this series on David, and last week, I mean, just the testimonies of healing that came. If you haven't, I know some people this will be kind of very familiar, but for some people, you may not have experienced the connection between what can be going on in your heart and how that can affect your body, your physical body. That heart attitude or brokenness or wounding can actually manifest itself as physical pain. And we've had so many testimonies last week from, from what Chloe released about jealousy. Um, you know, uh, she didn't say it in the preach, but I've heard her say it many times before. We say that person is a pain in the neck. You know, we, we speak it over ourselves. We, we declare, you know, because of somebody in my life and their issues, it's driving me up the wall. It's a pain in my neck, you know, all of these types of things. And last week we got some healing. Um, and I think this week will be an unofficial part two, although I think Chloe actually has a part two. But this will be a little sort of, um, this will continue, I think, what God was doing. I imagine if I asked you to put your hands up and said, and asked you a question, my guess would be if I asked this question, no hands would go up. And maybe someone will put a hand up to this, and I don't quite know what to do if somebody does. But my question that I wanted to ask to start with was, has anyone been hurt by Jesus? Has anyone been hurt by Jesus? And it's okay if you put a hand up. That's, that's okay if you feel that Jesus hurt you. I'm just going to put my theology out there right from the front and say I don't believe Jesus can hurt anybody. I don't believe that it is in Jesus to hurt people. But if I changed the question slightly and said, has anyone been hurt by Christians? Please put your hand up. I think pretty much everybody in the room would say at some point or another they have been hurt by a Christian. And my question today is, would, would anyone in the room like to receive another level of heart-mendedness in that area? And if that is you... Why don't you just put your hand up and say, yes, Jesus, I would like to receive some mending in my heart. And why don't you just find three people around you and say, today could be your day if you want it. Today could be your day if you want it. And we might go deep today. And I find myself going deep sometimes. And I want to be lighter and fluffier. But I think I just have this propensity to want to go to deep places. But I hope we'll lift up as well into a joyous freedom place at the end of this as well. Um, I will go there, Stephen. <laughs> um, I had this picture while worship was happening of um, something like a rocket. A rocket in space or something. And... At the base of the rocket, there are these kind of engines that are firing out fire and, you know, exhaust and, and everything and pr propulsion. But I saw something of, um, I don't quite know how to describe it, but something of like a blockage, almost like something that, that um, if you're listening to this on audio, what I'm doing with my hands won't make any sense. But something of like a, a blockage, like a, a cap that should be open but is closed and if you imagine like the ring of the engine in, in a circular form, there were 
maybe many of these caps, and some of them were open, and so the engine was firing, but others of them were blocked. And all that was happening was no propulsion from that particular part, but also a lot of heat and a lot of build-up and sort of bits breaking off and just it's not working. You know, the engine needs to be open. And I got the sense that maybe what the Lord was going to do among people in the room today and online, of course, hello online guys, you're very welcome, um, was he was going to provide some mending and some healing in your heart so that one of those panels that has been blocking off the propulsion in your life, the, the movement in your life that God wants to happen will open up. And, you know, I want to have faith for everything that you've ever been hurt and every pain you've ever got being released and healed in one moment. That would be amazing. And Flacca claps her hand because, yes, she's got faith for that. But we are also on a journey of maturity and sanctification and stepping into the Lord, trusting day by day. And not everything gets healed in the moment, but sometimes some things do. And that's what happened last week, and I believe that's going to happen today. But I will just say, pay attention to what Flicky said. Because she went home and she poured some water on that seed. She went home and she did something without a ministry team laying a hand on. She used the tools that she knew. She opened the Bible, put on the worship music, whatever it is. She invested in something that the Lord had done in this room, in her room at home, where there was no hype and no crowd and no person on a microphone calling out the steps. And so I really, I really want to just implore you to consider if the Lord is stirring your heart, if something doesn't happen here in this room right now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen for you. And we have to be people of faith who receive a planted seed. And how many good things has God put in your life that you, uh, you knew were being put in your life in, a, in that moment? How many times has he put a dream in your heart and you went, oh, the Lord has just put a dream in my heart. We don't always know what he's doing in us, but if we're people of faith, we can receive it. Okay, that's my introduction. I need to move faster. Um, okay, I'm going to read a bit of scripture and this will be our sort of, uh, the scripture that we're focusing on. And I'm going to read, it's going to be a bit of a chunk and see what you think. Uh, 2 Samuel verse 1, 2 Samuel verse 1 for the North Americans. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, uh, and in 1 Samuel 31, Saul was just killed. He was in battle, um, and him and Jonathan, his son, were killed. So 2 Samuel 1, 2 Samuel 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, that David stayed two days in Ziklag. On the third day, behold, a man from Saul's camp came, with his clothes torn and dust on his head. Now when he approached David, he fell to the ground prostrated. David asked him, where are you coming from? I've escaped the camp of Israel, he answered. How did things go, David asked him. Please tell me. He answered, the troops fled the battlefield. Also many troops fell and died. And Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. David asked the young man, informing him, how do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? The young man informed him, answering, I, I happened to be on, uh, by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, and look, Saul was leaning on his spear, while the chariots and the horsemen were closing in on him. He turned around, and he saw me, and called me, and I said, here I am. He asked me, who are you? I answered, I'm an Amalekite. So he said to me, stand over me now and kill me, for I am in agony, yet still alive. 
So I stood over him and killed him because I knew I couldn't survive after he had fallen. Or he couldn't survive after he had fallen. Then I took his crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and brought them here to you, my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them. And so did all the men that were with him. And they mourned and they wept and they fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan. For the troops of Adonai and the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. Then David said to the young man who informed him, who are you? Where are you from? He said, I am an Amalekite outsider. He replied, then David said to him, how is it that you were not afraid to stretch out your hand and destroy God's anointed one? Then David called one of the young men and said, come and strike him down. And he struck him down and he died. And David said to him, your blood is on your own head for by your mouth you testified saying, I killed Adonai's anointed. Then David chanted his lament over Saul and his son, Jonathan. Father, would you open up the scriptures to us? Would you open up your word? Lord, would we see things that have been hidden in there and things that are plain to see? Lord, would your spirit move among us? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's a bit of a strange scripture to read, yeah? Um, what stood out to me so much when reading this, and I'm sure you'll, you'll, it will have stood out to you, is David is grieving the death of Saul. But he's grieving the death of somebody who made his life hell for 15 to 20 years. Because David was anointed as a little boy, and then he served Saul he was part of the court. He went to war. He served him as a king. And yet David's life was made miserable by Saul. And yet on the announcement of his death, David tears his clothes. He commands everyone to mourn. And he also kills the guy who brought the news and who performed a mercy killing so that Saul wouldn't be killed by the enemy. It's bizarre. I can understand some of it at first reading, but some of it kind of sounds wrong or sounds unreasonable or illogical now there's one well let's just before we just go to why let's just let me just give some context for why actually uh, I say he treated him miserably Saul was jealous over David's victories Saul used his daughter Michael as a snare to David Saul sought to kill David multiple times. As Chloe said last week, Saul tried to pin David to the wall with a spear. If that happened in my workplace, I would be speaking to HR, <laughs> at the very least. Saul pursued David relentlessly, and David had to hide in a cave multiple times. Saul... The way Saul treated him meant that David had to manage the desires of his friends and his, his supporters who just wanted David to take Saul out and make everything easier. Saul's, I've written, Saul's madness and position, position changing was so difficult for David to manage. One minute he's for him, the next minute he's against him. One minute he's for him, the next minute he's against him. David had to flee his own people and go and live with the enemy. He had to go live with the Philistines because Saul wouldn't relent. That's where, that's, that's David's backstory prior to this messenger turning up. And then when he turns up, when he 
tells him what's happening. David mourns him. Now, there's one reason that you could you could say that David felt emotion about this, and that's Saul was mar- uh, David married his daughter Michael, so there's a family connection, father-in-law. David was best friends with Jonathan, Saul's son, so and their love, their phileo, brotherly love, is kind of stands out in the Bible as like one of the most one of the strongest. Uh, platonic relationships in the whole of scripture so there's that and there's also just the fact that David served his king faithfully he loved his king and he went and fought wars he put his life on the line for his king so relationally speaking there's some reason for him to mourn yeah but that's not the reason that David gives. He says, how, how could you kill my former father-in-law and the father of my best friend? He doesn't say that. He says, how is it that you are not afraid to stretch out your hand and destroy God's anointed one? David understood the power of anointing. And his, it's almost like his feelings were irrelevant. Because this was God's anointed leader. This was God's spirit carrying leader. Now the Amalekite, had a, he had a reasonable excuse. I mean, he, I feel, does anyone feel like he came out sort of fairly poorly in this scenario? I mean, he's dead. But does anyone feel like, I, that guy, like, I kind of feel for him. Does anyone, does anyone like get that? I mean, the, the scripture it took me to is the one a little bit later in Samuel where Uzzah uh, reaches out and grabs the ark just as it's falling. And you're like, like honestly, maybe I'm just going gonna, gonna to pretend to be a former, more immature version of myself. Really, Lord? Like, really? The ark was about to hit the ground. A guy caught it because he didn't want it to be damaged and you're dead. That will teach you. Like, it's, it feels, I don't know, is anyone else, is just me having a little bit of an internal kind of angst about that? It feels wrong. Now, with Uzzah, later in Samuel, when he reaches out, he touches the ark. He does something that's right, but he doesn't remember the law that says, that Moses gave, that says, if you touch this thing, you will die. It wasn't, it wasn't, you might die or, you know, you could do not touch this thing unless there's a very good reason to. He forgot the law. And so, unfortunately, he became a victim of that. But still with this Amalekite guy, he puts Saul out of his misery. He does a, I mean, I don't want to spend ages on this, but it feels wrong. He didn't have to come and tell David. He didn't have to bring the crown and the bracelet and all of that. But the thing is that, the anointing of God, what I take from the scripture and what, I realize, what I've realized from the experience of my life of being around the anointing is that the anointing of God doesn't, it will not come under rational human thinking. It will not submit to the way that we would like to think the world should work because some people get an anointing on them and it feels unfair or it feels like they've got a favor on their life that other people don't, and somehow they're special. Sometimes the anointing moves on churches that you think, really, that church, that style, really? The anointing of God will not submit to our way of thinking about how it should operate. And David 
has an understanding of the anointing of God. And I think this is one of the reasons we talk about him being a man after God's own heart. I think this is one of the reasons why the Lord set him up to be king. Why the Lord allowed himself to be known as the God of David. And how the Lord allowed Messiah Jesus to be part of David's line. Because his understanding, his reverence for the anointing of God was unlike anybody else's in history up to that point. He understood. How could you destroy? Forget how much of a jerk Saul was. Forget how difficult he was. Forget his madness and his, his, uh, his irrational behavior. He was the Lord's anointed. How, could you, how, how did you find it within yourself to end his life? That's David's heart. And I find that very difficult to associate with. It's like, too right you put him out of his misery. It's probably the kindest thing to do. That guy had it coming. But David understood, and if you've been a member of this church for a while, David understood the anointing that Saul had was the same anointing that he'd been given. Same anointing, they just chose to do different things with it. In Acts 9.37, it says that the, the church grew because of the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There are many churches that just preach the fear of the Lord. And there are many churches that just want to sit in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The church in Acts grew because of the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And that's where this church needs to be. We, we have to walk that middle path between the fear of the Lord and the intimacy with God. They have to be both. They, they have, we have to have an equal balance in both. Because he's daddy God. He's also the God that will obliterate you if you touch the ark. <laughs> and they're like, oh, daddy God. Like, he's both. He's both. And so David recognized, his, his first point, David recognized the anointing of God was on Saul despite what he'd chosen to do with it. And he didn't let Saul's behavior diminish the fact that God's anointing was on his life. What was reasonable to feel didn't govern him. And he even chose some of his counselors and influencers, some of his friends, carefully. So where, where I'm, I talked about being hurt by Christians at the start, and we're talking about David and Saul and the anointing. So what's, what's the connecting line here? How do we manage hurts from or connected to Christians who have anointing on their life? How do we deal with the fact that Christians may have hurt us and yet they still may be anointed people? Anyone got a pin they can drop? Hey, there we go. That'll do. It's a hard one. It's a, it's a, it's, this is a hard one. Because I, I used to say this kind of... Um, not flippantly, but sort of uh, empathetically. I used to say when I met new people at the door of church, um, when we were in Preston Manor or we were in the Ark, and, and even here, um, when they said, you know, tell me about the church, I would use, usually say, everybody's come from somewhere. When you're a church plant, everyone's come from somewhere. And, you know, little Isla and Caleb running around and so many other wonderful kids we've got, they've grown up and this is their first church. This is all they know. But pretty much all the rest of us, we've all come from somewhere. And some it will be a place of having no faith, and this is your first church. Uh, and for other people, 
you belong somewhere else, but then you came here. And, you know, we've, don't get me wrong, people have belonged here and gone somewhere else. You know, we're not the end of the line. But many people have come to this church because something happened somewhere else. Now, if I haven't really written this down, so I'm going to verbally process a little bit. Hopefully this won't go wrong. I think some people have come because the place that they were at before was dry. Not bad, not evil, but just it was dry. And they wanted the living water. They wanted to draw from Jesus. And in my mind, it's they were in a place that every week did four songs for worship. 20-minute worship, four songs. And I, I, I used to lead worship for about five years in a church that did that. And I loved it. I just didn't know that you could do five songs. <laughs> I just didn't know you could go more than 20 minutes. So I always enjoyed the 20 minutes, but my heart was always aching for a little bit more. Maybe once a year we'd do a worship night and we'd be like, that's amazing, so good. Back to four songs next week, though. That's what the Bible says. So for some people, I think there's a, there's a, they, came, they come here because of dryness. I know some people have come because they got hurt from church. They got hurt from a denomination. They got hurt from a pastor or a leader. And they didn't expect to lead their church. And then suddenly they were. And some people have drifted. And they were part of something. And then it didn't work out. And I know for me, when I went, when I went to university, um, I, went to, I was part of a lovely little family church in Chorleywood. And I went up to Nottingham, and the first church that I went into was uh, Trent Vineyard, which is just a phenomenal church, massive. You know, by UK standards, it's a big church. And I walked in the door, and I, I, I saw a goldfish bowl in my head and a little piddler goldfish that was me, and I just thought, this place is too big for me. I, I, I've, I've come from my little family church where everybody knew my name. I, I, I come from being a big fish in a small pond, maybe. There's like 320-year-olds here who all look slightly more with it than I do. They're slightly trendier. They look more talented. They look all the rest of it. I can't stand out on being the young leader like I did in my old church that was mainly old people. And I walked into that room and I just thought, no, 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 it's great, but it was not going to work for me. Small fish, big pond. Nope, 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 nope. Let's find somewhere else where I can be a bit more of a bigger deal. Which is awful orphanness, but it's where my heart was, obviously. I'm so much more mature now. Um, but, the, but here's the thing. I then drifted for a year and a half. Was not part of a church. Was not part of anywhere. And it was because of some hurt that I was feeling. And maybe I felt that that church just didn't, wasn't able to minister to me. I, I resented the church for being big. And then one day the Lord woke me up on a Sunday morning, kicked my butt out of church and said, out of bed and said, go to Trent Vineyard, that's your church. And I went back and it was. And people younger than me who had been in university years underneath me were actually on stage leading worship. Someone from my course in my first year was leading worship and the Lord said, if you'd stayed, that could have been you. I don't know what brought you to this room, but... You know, Christians shouldn't hurt other Christians. And it's not to say that we should hurt non-Christians. <laughs> or it's okay for non-Christians to hurt non-Christians. But Christians shouldn't hurt other Christians, but we do. 
how do you navigate? I'm going to read some things here. How do you navigate hurt from a church, a leader or a pastor that is still ministering and being used by God, but you know is connected to hurt in your life? How do you navigate hurt from a former church or ministry that said one thing and did another? How do you navigate a church or movement or a Christian leader who slams your theology or this church's theology and you know actively comes against what you believe? Who's ever watched a YouTube video that they meant to watch of some preach clip or something or a worship clip and maybe on Facebook and then without meaning to, the video went on to the next one? I was watching something the other day. I think it was some Bethel worship or something. And the next video went on was a conference where the two people at the front were being interviewed about how, um, and I'm going to try and take tone out of my voice now, but they were saying how um, you shouldn't sing the worship songs of Bethel, Hillsong or Elevation because they are uh, false churches and the leaders don't meet the biblical value for eldership and you're propagating um, heretical lies if you sing their songs. And I was like, oh no, I don't want to watch this. And then I was like, oh, maybe I... Maybe I should because maybe it's good to know what other people say so I can have a biblical defense and I can, you know, respond. And I think it was okay watching it, but I felt pretty slimed at the end of it. And, and, and my heart was like, dude, you're saying things. You're saying, you're saying huge things about thousands of people, but not backing up your point and just going on to the next point. And I was like, oh, this is just hard. And I've got a list of I've got people I follow on Facebook, and you can come and rebuke me for this afterwards if you think this is stupid. But I've got a list. I, ha I follow some people on Facebook, not because I want to follow them on Facebook, but because they're leaders in the body of Christ. And I want to know what is being said in the whole church with a capital C. Not so I can get judgmental, but so I can know that I'm testing and weighing what I believe and what I'm doing and not just living in my own echo chamber, you know? And we saw with Brexit and with the American election that when you're just in an echo chamber and the only people you see on your Facebook are the people who agree with you, when something happens that you don't agree with, it's like, oh my word, how did this happen? All the signs were pointing to Trump or all the signs were pointing to Remain or, or whatever it is. If we... If we have those echo chambers, and I'm not saying change your Instagram right now, whatever. I use Facebook. I don't know how to use Instagram. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I, just, I said Instagram, and I just felt wrong. It's not me. I don't. I've got Instagram. You go on. I put some pictures of food on there, and I've got like 20 pictures on. I don't get how's it work. What's a reel? I don't know what a reel is. Is that on Facebook? Insta story. I don't get it. Okay, stay with it. How do you deal with people who slam what you believe? How do, how do we deal with people who will go through every single healing destiny that was given last week and say it was wrong? Say it was ungodly. Say it's in your head. Psychosomatic or whatever. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with a cessationist who uh, is one of the greatest theologians of our time who... Uh, would say everything that we're doing is strange fire. How do you deal with it when that same person also has some incredible theological works that will help your life? 
I'm going to move on. How do you navigate conversations about somebody who's hurt many people, but they're not a bad person, but the conversations start as sharing, then they become venting, then they turn into gossip? How do you manage that? How do you navigate blessing some... Oh, here's, here's where it turns. How do you manage blessing someone who's doing something you feel called to do, something you want to do, and you have prophetic words to do as well? And I'm thinking here of David, who was called to be the king and had to wait 20 years while someone else did a very poor job of it. How do you manage your heart and the hurt that you may feel towards that person? Welcome, kids. Oh, I've got to speed up. There are so... like and. Yes, it's painful. Yeah. Hey, how do you manage it? Okay, here's what here's what our response should be. How are we doing? Good, a few smiles. We're talking about deep, painful issues. A few smiles are good. Mm. Thank you very much. Okay, our response. Let's do. Let's let's let's. Let's look at what David did, and then let's look at what Jesus says. So if you've got your Bibles open uh, to Samuel, first thing David did, he honoured the anointing he saw in Saul. He honoured the anointing he saw. As a Christian, the first thing we can do is honour the fact that the Holy Spirit is in that person, that they have been redeemed by Jesus. I saw somebody say a beautiful thing the other day. When Jesus was on the cross, he instantly took our sin and we instantly became righteous. Jesus didn't gradually take our sin and we don't gradually become righteous. I understand we do sanctification, but instantly on the cross, Jesus took our sin and we became righteous. And so that person who's just made your life miserable, they are sanctified and saved by Jesus Christ. They are made righteous. So we have to honour what we see of the Holy Spirit and of God in that person. It's hard. I can't give you four things to say that will make it easier, but we have to honour them. David recognised the anointing in Saul, not how much of a jerk Saul had been. That was the first thing that he said. The second thing that David did, he grieved. He mourned. And what we tend to do, what I do, is I get annoyed at someone and then I go around looking for people who will justify my annoyance. Go find some other people who are also hurt and get riled up and get sort of, yo, yo, we're so hard done by. And then this other thing, and I'm not venting, I'm not gossiping, but what they did was this. We, we dive into that. And do you know, one of the things I heard someone say out of the lockdown that really ministered to me was he said, one of the problems with the lockdown for a lot of pastors is many pastors haven't grieved their losses. They lost people in teams. They lost volunteers. They lost people from their churches. But they had to stand up on the stage and put a smile on their face and say everything's okay when they were hurting. Church, I want to challenge you, and I say this with fingers pointing back at me. We have to, we have to be okay with lamenting and mourning our losses. When something has gone wrong, we have to mourn it in a godly way. We can recognize the anointing on someone. Thank you, God, that you are on their life and in their life. And Lord, I rec- I, this was painful and this sucked. But we don't stop there. And I want you just to jump forward. And this is kind of where we'll go into ministry in a second. Matthew 5. Holy Spirit has just been on me this week and I didn't even realize it, which is beautiful. 
It's like the reverse of Samson when the Holy Spirit left him and he didn't realise. The Holy Spirit's been on me and I didn't realise. Um, there's a wonderful song on the new Elevation album by Pat Barrett called This Is The Kingdom. And it's just, I was saying to Steve at the start, it's just singing the Beatitudes. It's beautiful. You've got to get it. got to listen to it. Abby and I were worshipping on Monday night, I think, in front of the TV. And we just started. It sounds like we worship the TV. I need to come up with a better way of saying that. We were watching the, the live recording of this song and we were just weeping and we were worshipping and just feeling the presence of God. And then later in the week, Abby was reading a book of mine that um, I had from a while ago and she sent me a screenshot that, that was about the Beatitudes as well. And when I was preparing the sermon, this, this talk, I was thinking, well, what is our response? Yes, David honoured the anointing he saw in Saul. He also mourned him, but that doesn't feel like it's enough to just finish up mourning, you know. We're in the new covenant, so is there more for us? And this is what, this is what stood out for me. And the Holy Spirit said, just go back to the Beatitudes. I'm going to read it slightly differently. I'm going to read it slightly out of order. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for you have your reward in heaven and it is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verses 5 to 6, 7, 8 and 9 are all things that we intentionally do. We can choose to do these things. We can choose to be meek. And Dan Davison, I don't even know how to find the talk you did, but years ago, Dan did a talk on meekness. And the definition being meekness was power under control. Beautiful, power under control. Uh, what was the image? A horse, a war horse with a candle being held and passed underneath its flanks and it not flinching. Power under control, that's what meekness is. Blessed are the meek, we can choose to be meek. We can choose to hunger and thirst for righteousness. If we've been hurt, we can choose to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We can choose to be merciful. We can choose to be pure in heart. We can choose to be a peacemaker. All of these things are our choice when we've been hurt by another Christian. And when God says we do these things, we'll inherit the earth, we'll be satisfied, we'll be shown mercy, we'll see God, we'll be called the children of God, sons of God. If we make a choice to do those things, those are the things we'll receive. But there's another five verses, that's the five intentional things we can do. The other five verses are things that if they happen to us or we find ourselves in that circumstance, the Lord will still bless us. So if we're poor in spirit, we'll inherit the kingdom. If we mourn, we'll be comforted. If 
we've been persecuted for righteousness sake, then the kingdom of heaven is ours. And if people revile us or say things about us, we're blessed because we're in prophet's company. And when we're treated like them, we have a great reward in heaven. This is what I feel Jesus is saying to us today, that recognize the anointing in someone. It doesn't mean it's like the, it's like the forgiveness stage. It doesn't mean if you recognize the anointing in someone who hurt you, that the fact that they hurt you was okay. Okay? If a pastor hurt you and is still being used by God, you can recognize the anointing of God in them. If a denomination hurt you, if your old church hurt you, you can recognize the anointing of God. But Jesus says, Tom used to preach this all the time, the new covenant, the standard is higher. (laughs) But the grace is greater. So God can give us grace to be meek. He can give us grace to be pure in heart. He can give us grace to pursue righteousness, to be peacemakers. And the judgment and the consequences are up to him. But we only give an account for ourselves. Five intentional choices, five responses that God gives us. And so I think we should go into some prayer. I know we've gone to some deep places and for, for some of you, we need to wrap up as well, timing-wise. I know for some of you, the moment I said, who's been hurt by a Christian? Your mind went straight to a person, straight to a church, straight to a ministry, straight to an event. And you may, you may need to do a flicky on this one and spend some time at home and go over this. But I want to just bring this stuff before the Lord now, if you're willing. And we're just going to forgive some people. We're going to release some people. We're going to do some past stuff quickly. Then we're going to do some present stuff. And then at the end, we're going to celebrate because whom the Lord says sets free is free indeed. And that's where we're going to get in the next two or three minutes. So I don't know if we can put some soaking music on or something, or Steve, if you just want to um, just, just minister to us as you feel led. But why don't we stand, guys? And Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you, Lord, that you minister to our hurts. We thank you, Lord, that you see them. They're not hidden from you. And Lord, I thank you that you said, you said, Jesus, that we would be known by our love. We would be recognized by our love. And you said, Lord, in 1 Corinthians 13, that if we don't have love, then a lot of the other stuff we're doing is just noise. And so, God, we want to step into the flow of love right now. And why don't you just, just as, as Steve begins, just stretch out your hands. And before we start to minister forgiveness and restoration and asking God to come into our hearts, let's just align ourselves in the love of God right now. Let's not do it from a place of, let's not do it from the flesh. Let's do it from the spirit. So God, right now, we just ask your love would come. Come, Lord, as you see fit. Come, Lord, and wash over us. We thank you that you're good. You're so good. And before we try and do ministry, God, we're just going to take a moment to rest in the love of Christ of the Father, of the Spirit that was released at the cross.
maybe the fiery eyes of Jesus or the twinkling eyes of Jesus that you look at. Just let him, let him just pull you into the river right now. Let him just guide you into the river. those engines to be on full power so that we can go where you want us to be not to be blocked off, not to be held back we want our bodies healed and our minds clear so Lord from the place of your love and from the empowerment of your love and your grace we're going to forgive some people and I'm just going to go down the list and if it's relevant for you go for it and you can speak it out you can whisper you can just say it in your heart Lord we forgive any pastors vicars priests ministers connected to our story who hurt us or who when we think of them we feel pain we release them right now we recognize that you love them that the anointing is on their life the Holy Spirit the love of Jesus is on their life we release them we forgive them we just give you the hurt God and you can include the pastors of this church you can include me and Dan still and Chloe all of us Tom church that we used to be part of we give that church to you we just lift it up in our hands we give it to you and say this is your church you have a dream for this church you desire this church to exist Lord we give it back to you and Lord would you wipe clean the pain that I feel when I think of that place and that time Lord we give you any ministries that we were part of any ministries we worked for or ran with for a season any ministries that didn't meet our expectations that we hoped for more and it didn't come for whatever reason Lord we give you Lord any former communities we were part of youth groups, small groups church groups prayer ministry groups, outreach groups worship teams set up teams, preaching teams leadership teams I just felt um, any team that you were part of that imploded because of somebody who did something. It may not have even have been against you, but I, I just had the, the picture of, um, you know, pastors who've had affairs and um, fraud and things like that that have meant that something good died in its tracks. Father, we give you that, those things, anything related to that. Father, we give you former colleagues, collaborators, partners, co-leaders, bosses, anyone who comes under that category, Lord, we give them back to you right now. Lord, from a place of the love of Christ within us, we release forgiveness and we cut off the chains of burden, 
of shame, of ongoing internal abuse, Lord, that our flesh is probably driving. We give it to you, God. Father, we give movements to you, any movements we've been part of and denominations. If you need to forgive some denominations right now, just go for it, Lord. We forgive the Catholic Church. We forgive the Church of England. We forgive the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church. Uh, Lord Jesus, we forgive the Pentecostal churches, Elim, Lord, Free Church, House Church Movement, Mega Churches, Micro Churches, National Churches. United Reformed Church, we forgive. And Lord, we also forgive our parents and our siblings for any way in which they influenced us negatively or brought hurt into our life as it relates to church or our faith journey. Let's just say together, Lord, I give them back to you. Lord, I give them back to you. Lord, I bless them. And I release them. And I just feel for, for some people, just by faith, receive that, that picture I gave about that, that engine opening up or that engine firing. Receive that for you right now. Receive for you right now that something has happened in your life that's going to propel you further on. Like last week with the healing, that your neck pain isn't going to happen. And maybe you've got a physical pain you want to test right now because the Holy Spirit's in this room. But you may want to just consider by faith right now that something has changed in your life because you've decided to move out of unforgiveness, move out of hurt, move out of pain. That something propelling of the power of God in your life is now happening as a result of what you've just done. Thank you, God. Just thank Him if you feel something's happening with you. Thank you, God. Okay, let's do some present stuff quickly. Right now, anybody who's ahead of you, who you know of, who's walking in something, you want to walk in something, you've been prophesied over and you felt jealousy. Maybe you didn't deal with it with last week or maybe you just feel like it's hurt watching that person advance when you haven't. Right now, just release the love of Christ to them. Right now, step into the meekness, step into the peacemaker, step into the, the pursuer of righteousness, step into the purity of heart right now. Just release blessing to that person. The Lord will see it. The Lord, it moves the heart of the Lord. Anyone who's been persecuting you, attacking you right now. Anyone who's been speaking lies over you right now. Anyone who's been speaking half-truths or falsehoods about you right now. If you know of it or even if you, you don't know who they might be, just release anybody who's jealous of me like Flicky did. Release it. Whether I know them or not, I release forgiveness to them. And if they're a Christian, Lord, bless your anointing to increase in their life. Because if, if your anointing increases in their life, then they're going to not do that stuff as much. Because they can't do that when the Holy Spirit is driving them. Anyone who's stolen something from you, anyone who's robbed, any way in which you're reeling from betrayal or misrepresentation. We're going to finish in a second. I know we're up against it with time. Anyone who's feeling betrayed, anyone who's feeling like they were robbed, just release it right now. We release them and we forgive. Thank you, Jesus. And lastly, well, this is penultimately, but right now, Father, we confess 
and we repent for when we have been this person to other people for when we have been the cause of hurt in someone's life when we have hurt another Christian when we have hurt somebody and we didn't we didn't let ourselves be led by the spirit of God we let our flesh lead and we let our words hurt and we let our actions break someone Lord for any way in which we've been the person that someone else needs to forgive we confess it and we repent it right now Lord I confess my crappy attitudes that come up Lord when I feel like I'm wronged I repent of that Lord I turn away from that right now and maybe one of the fruits of this for you is you're going to need to send some text messages after this or drop a voice note or call somebody and just just say look I know it was years ago but I didn't act right. I didn't manifest Jesus to you. I manifested something else. And I never said sorry. I never repented. This is heart stuff. But this is freeing stuff, church. And John 8 verse 30 says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you are free. And so why don't you just, as we bring this time to a close, why don't you just stretch your, heart, your hands out right now. Just give, put your body in a posture of, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free because I've let these things go. I'm free because I've given them back to the Lord. I'm free because I've released somebody. I am freer right now than I was an hour ago. And Lord Jesus, we just... Bless your name, God. Just bless the name of Jesus because it's only because of Him we can't do this in our flesh. We cannot do this in our flesh. We cannot find this within us. It is only Him. It is only His Spirit. Only He can stand strung up on a cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Only He could do that and He lives in you and He lives in me. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Just give Him your worship right now. Just however you want to worship it, speak about, sing something. We worship you, Jesus. We give you glory for freedom.